1: What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode two six one of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Sunday evening in our traditional time slot. It's November officially; the off season is certainly here at this point in time. And I'm joined, as often, by West Coast correspondent Scott Coleman. Hello, sir. It's only two hours further away from here than usual. Like, I, I, it's one of those things where uh, good old Arizona doesn't have daylight savings time, so. Yeah,
2: well, just weird, uh, weird all the way around. Good to be on, Brad. It's uh, as you said, start of the off season. It's always a little weird with baseball when you compare it to the other major sports. How usually, and, and I know we're in different times now, but usually the NFL, NBA, NHL usually have all this crazy buildup and you know twenty four, forty eight hours before we have rumors, reports of all these signings that are effectively done and just need to be finalized, and then you have baseball which starts at five o'clock eastern on a uh, november sunday and here we go
1: yeah so we're recording at six it's now six twenty-three p.m eastern time on sunday i'm gonna timestamp it now because of the fact that free agency is happening at this moment in time nothing has happened um There are options that we'll talk about in a second um, that have been declined or picked up across the league. There are qualifying offers. The deadline for those was was 5 o'clock today, but that doesn't really affect the Braves at all this time around because Marcelo Zuna was not eligible for a qualifying offer. So there's not a lot that's happened. Um, There's a little bit of news. There's one transaction the Braves had to make, and they made it. Um, But yeah, just... Want to tell everybody what's going on? Um, if stuff happens by Monday morning, that'd be kind of on brand for us uh, that we, we will have recorded on Sunday. But uh, Alex Anthopoulos is also someone who is, I think, kind of famously now just does stuff out of nowhere. Last year, they moved really quickly yeah. and announced things uh, out of nowhere. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm with you. It's very strange in baseball that not, there's not really that whole uh, onslaught at the beginning of free agency. No, in the way there could be, but alas, it's probably good for us that it spreads out a little bit just for the content. So
2: yeah, no, I mean, as fun as like. Right, like as fun as a, a crazy week would be. You're right. Then you would have months where there's really nothing. Right. So, I guess it. I guess it works out for fans either way. Um, as you said, one thing to remember as we go into the off season, I would say that 90% of Alex Anthopoulos' moves since taking over three years ago, there was like zero buildup for. Right. Yep. Like he is not. It is not a front office where we hear about things for days and days and days, and then it finally gets done. Most of his most of his deals have been announced by the team, which is pretty rare in this day and age, uh, with so many different sources and reporters. Um, just just keep that in mind as we go forward. Not you know, I, I think it's a uh, it's both fun and not fun as a fan, right? Because sometimes chasing rumors for days on end can be kind of exhausting and annoying, especially if it doesn't end up happening. Um, but at the same time, too, everyone remembers like the John Coppola days where if a deal happened, it seemed like we heard about it a week before, and then there was just this slow build-up until it finally happened.
1: Yeah, it's a little bit different this time around. Uh, I guess we'll talk about some new stuff, and in the second half of this podcast, we'll talk about the bullpen. We always do these uh, these re- sort of reviews, capsules. Today today will be the bullpen, and we'll get into the lineup and the, and the rotation later on in uh, the month of November. But before we get to that, there is some news. Uh, the first thing that the Braves did was decline the club option for Darren O'Day. Darren O'Day is very old, of course, 38 years old, but he was actually really good this last season. Um, It was a three and a half million dollar club option with a $500,000 buyout. So they basically um, declined to keep him for about three million bucks. And we'll talk about this specifically, but also it feeds into the fact that the overwhelming narrative this week in baseball is about how it might be kind of a bloodbath around the league in terms of free agency. Certain guys, you know, the one that first kicked us off was um, Colton Wong had his option decline in a kind of surprising fashion. Brad Hand was the big one um, with the Indians. Like, Brad Hand is one of the top 10 relievers in baseball, probably, and has the option declined, granted by a team that does not like to spend money in the Indians, but it's kind of weird. I think everyone's bracing for a bit of ugliness here, and that I think O'Day fits into that somewhat. He is very old, but, you know, on production, $3 million for Darren O'Day is probably pretty cheap it's just yeah. i think you have to look and uh, look ahead and we're, we're guessing a little bit right now but it does feel like uh, not just the braves but teams across the league are going to be very very judicious with money especially early on and uh, that could have been the cause of this one
2: no you're absolutely right i think in truly any other offseason, i would imagine if if all things were the same darren o'day's three million dollar option gets picked up because he is worth that is he a guy who uh has some question marks sure he's a little bit older Um, Even though his splits this year were not drastic, he's someone who you generally only, you would prefer that he faced righties instead of lefties. Um, A guy who has not been healthy, of course, the Braves traded for him, and it was about a year and a half before he was able to actually pitch for them. Um, In normal times, I think it's almost a no-brainer that you pick up the $3 million option. Uh, There's nothing that says that they couldn't circle back to O'Day at some point. Maybe they end up signing him for about the same money they would have paid him. If they picked up the option, but a mild surprise, I, again, I'm a fan of Darren O'Day's work. I think he does a lot of good things uh, and he has, uh, he can be a valuable member of the bullpen. Um, But as you said, it seems again, as we kind of saw in the middle of the year with the trade deadline, every single dollar is going to matter this season or this winter. And if you can save yourself the 3 million bucks, or at least not lock yourself into the $3 million on October 30th or whatever day it was, it was probably a worthwhile move.
1: Yeah, (laughs) and we'll see. It would not surprise me at all, like you mentioned, if they were to get O'Day to come back for less. Um, I'm not sure what his market's going to be. Maybe he wants to be here, and he is quite old, so I'm not really sure what that market's going to look like for a lever. And really, it seems like the only position group right now that's not being negatively affected by the options and the tightness might be starting pitching, where Marcus Stroman got his qualifying offer. And by the way, old friend Kevin Gaussman got a qualifying offer that I'm assuming he's going to sign because he should. (laughs) Um, and by the way, he was pretty good this year. I shouldn't make fun of that too much, but it was still a surprise. Gosman. I know Braves fans don't like him very much. He was good this year. So it's not like he honestly, in a a normal world, he might be worth one year and $19 million, whatever the uh, 18.9 million dollars. But I was very surprised in the prism through which we're all viewing this right now and everything else that's already happened for them to give him that qualifying offer. But, um, yeah, I mean O'Day was the only club option the Braves had to deal with, but it is instructive. Like I already mentioned, Brad Hand, but Brad Hand got placed on waivers at ten million dollars, and no one claimed him. Which, I mean, I guess on one hand they knew he was going to maybe be a free agent, but on the other hand, Brad Hand is definitely worth more than ten dollars, more than ten million dollars. Like, yeah. unless you just think he's got something wrong with him or he's injured, Brad Hand is very, very good and almost. I mean, Colton Wong is sort of a weird platoon splitty kind of player. That one didn't stun me as much, but there's not really a world in which Brad hate is worth that much money. So yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. It's, I know it's a one-off, but man, um, not, yeah. not, no, nobody claiming him kind of, uh, surprised me.
2: Right. And again, I mean, maybe it, maybe teams because we just don't know it's not just related to baseball, right? We just don't oh, know yeah. what six months from now is going to look like. We don't know what a year from now, we don't know what two months from now looks like. Um, I guess, again, if if front offices are hesitant on end of November, beginning of or end of October, beginning of November to guarantee money, I I guess that could be a thing. And um, but again, man, 10 million bucks for Brad Hand, a guy who has been, as you said, a top maybe 10 reliever over the last five or six seasons. Incredibly durable. He is not old. Um, A real surprise. Hopefully this is just teams being frugal early on and then there'll be a wave of activity and it won't be as cold as people are thinking it might be, but man, (laughs) uh, a a real, I think, eye-opener for both fans and obviously the players around the league, too, are probably not thrilled that they're hitting free agency right now. Uh, They're probably not thrilled.
1: Yeah, it it might get ugly, and I'm glad you said it. I feel like people know, but it's worth just saying out loud the way that you just did. A lot of this is pandemic-related. It may not be directly that, but teams are going to be judicious because they, they don't know about tickets for next year all that stuff there's a lot of uncertainty we know we did the whole marathon before the season started last year when every week we were talking about the updates on the negotiations and all of that stuff it's still looming like uh, you know the cba is looming this stuff is very unsettled we'll, we'll dive into that later when we get more information on it but that's sort of the backdrop of all of this and uh, that is worth considering and pointing out okay the other things that are braves related that happened this week um Nuts and bolts wise, Charlie Culberson elected free agency. That's not a surprise. He was uh, able to do so. He could come back. It wouldn't blow anybody's mind if he did. But he's a free agent now officially. And the Braves signed Abraham Almonte to a non-guaranteed deal. It's basically like a spring training invite. Um, 31-year-old outfielder. Barely played this year. Not a very good hitter at all. Um, career ADWRC+. So pr- a pretty fringy guy. He's a professional baseball player, but um, he probably is like a sixth outfielder. <laughs> which you don't need. Um, yeah. So that, that's just a depth piece. I have no issue with it, but that was the one transaction that they actually made. Um, any reaction to that? I mean, people, no. as usual, Culberson was the topic of conversation this week. I don't <laughs> really care at all about that, but it happened.
2: No, I mean, it's a procedural thing. If if Culberson's back in another few months as a non-roster invitee, you know, whatever, we, we kind of know who he is at this point. And yeah, the Almonte thing um, honestly, it slipped past me until I saw it on your notes for this podcast. So the Braves announced uh,
1: that the Brids yeah. actually announced it. It wasn't even like reported. It was just one of those typical, like, all yeah. right, we signed this guy. There you go. Yeah,
2: so a non-guaranteed roster invite. As you said, it's it's effectively a a formal invitation of spring training, a sixth outfielder. I would be very surprised. Maybe uh, maybe something weird happens and he needs time, or you know, there's always a spot for depth in the minor leagues in Gwinnett. You want to field a competitive team and just have somebody ready for emergency duty if you would need it um but yeah no no crazy takes on either
1: of those okay and the the rumor that hit this week uh, and a real one because it was reported by some real sources it was actually originally a piece from dave o'brien of the athletic and ken rosenthal a double byline about adam wainwright old friend of the braves also enemy of the braves at times as he was a member of the cardinals he'll be 40 in august but the braves are reportedly interested at least on some level in bringing him to atlanta he actually was good this year, a 3.15 ERA. He was uh, about, a, about a run worse than that in terms of his FIP and xFIP, so probably a little bit of, a, of an overachievement from Wainwright, but, um, you know, one-year deal, semi-cheaply, sure. Um, you know, of course, the, the negative part of the fan base immediately brought up Cole Hamels and just assumed that he'll be hurt and all that stuff. I get that, too. I understand this is not, it would not be exciting at the Braves' Adam Wainwright. I, d- I do think, though, that, I think we've mentioned this even before during the playoffs, but there's this notion that the Braves don't need pitching, and that's just not that's just not true. I know they have young guys that are coming, but they're going to need to add some veterans, and I'm not sure it has to be Adam Wainwright, but Adam Wainwright is someone who could be that you know old vet. I wouldn't want to rely on him too, too much, but at the right price, sure.
2: Sure, yeah. I mean, everybody wants Trevor Bauer, and who knows what his free agency is going to look like, whether he does the one-year deal thing, which he's talked about, or the eight-year, $250 million deal, which he'll probably want. Um, Marcus Stroman, who also got a qualifying offer today, is another guy who is a candidate for a multi-year deal at a pretty high basis. He did not pitch this past year because of injury, though it was just a calf issue and not an arm or shoulder issue. He's probably Um, number
1: two behind Bauer in terms of starting pitching availability. Yeah,
2: Yeah. I agree. I mean, just he's younger. He's he's 29, I think. He's been generally pretty healthy. Uh, You know, a legit number three starter, which – Maybe it's not sexy. Maybe he's not going to strike out 250 batters next year, but a good pitcher when he's healthy. Um, those two, I think, are clearly kind of at the top. And then, um, yeah, Adam Wainwright, if he's healthy, if if you believe that, and we, of course, don't know this, but it seems like Mike Soroka's Achilles is recovering well. If you, you assume that he's going to be good to go, if not on opening day, near it. Max Freed, we know how good Ian Anderson looked in his short stint. Uh, they do need a veteran to eat innings, and I know Cole Hamels is a concern, and as we saw, whenever you play the veteran game, sometimes it, you, you hit big, sometimes you get three innings out of them, which is what we saw out of Hamels this past year. So I'm guessing Wainwright is one of many, many guys the Braves are going to talk to. Um, he would fit Charlie Morton, who of course is familiar with the organization, is is a free agent now. Uh, Charlie Morton would be of interest. Corey Kluber's option was declined. He'll be of interest. And a plethora of other guys who, uh, you know, just look at a list of free agent pitchers. If if they have any kind of track record, might be available on a, a shortened one-year deal. I would imagine the Braves would have interest in them.
1: Yeah, and, you know, if, if they actually sign Wainwright, I would probably argue that they could use another one. Even beyond that, it doesn't have to be one. I mean, that's the thing. Uh, as much as, even if you're all in on the Soroka, Freed, Anderson, uh Wilson whoever else trained Kyle Wright um you might even need to I, I, I mean you don't have to look any further than the 2020 Atlanta Braves to see how much depth you might need so Absolutely. if it's Wainwright especially or if it's somebody that's either old like he is or injury stuff like Kluber or even Stroman you might want to get another guy so are they going to sign sign slash acquire two highly paid pitchers probably not but if they spend some real money on one guy, I would still probably be in the market for another one. That's for a, for another podcast, probably. But uh, because it came up this week, uh, there were no numbers that I saw associated with that, nor will they be this early. And obviously, the market is what it is at this point in time. But Wainwright is a guy who has local ties. Um, there's actually some buzz. But I think he did. I, mean, I actually know he did some commentating during the playoffs he could just retire and be an analyst but he wants to pitch if he can i think is kind of the consensus yeah so he's still
2: probably good enough yeah i mean again he's a guy who has been generally pretty durable he's 39 that's all it is i mean he's just old. (laughs) at some point as we've seen with a couple of players on this year's team at some point no matter how good they were father time as they say is undefeated and you don't want to be on, you don't want to be the team on the hook for that whenever it does happen. Wainwright could totally go out and throw. I mean, he started game three of the NLDS for the Cardinals uh, a year ago, right? And pitched well. Um, so he's clearly a guy who has something left in the tank. You just hope that he doesn't hit empty in the middle of a season when you're counting on him because injuries can happen at any point, right? But when they're 39, 40 years old, uh, you're, you're just playing with fire. But that is, of course, the trade off of going with a veteran. On a one-year less money deal than than mortgaging the future a little bit more and paying someone like a Stroman, like a Bauer, uh, someone like that.
1: Yeah, we'll come back to that if we if we need to. But that's the latest on Wainwright. There was, by the way, something we will address briefly, and I promise it'll be brief. There was a stray report this week from a Cardinals beat writer, and it was a real it was a real source, but only one person in St. Louis about the Braves potentially having interest in. Yadier Molina, and Braves fans would really, really hate that. I think um, he he cannot hit anymore. I'll say that he just he looks to be Oof. done at the plate, but uh, he can play defense. And my skepticism actually more so than the Braves side, because if you if you take your Braves fan hat off and just look at the player, Yadier and Molina as the lesser part of a catcher duo would be really good. Actually, um, the problem is, I actually can't see Yadier Molina wanting to take a deal to play behind Travis Darno. He thinks he's still good. Um, yeah. Like, he, he was very upset about not being a Gold Glove finalist like two weeks ago, not even a week ago. So, I think he's very, uh, he'd like to play a lot. And that'll yeah. be my thing. But uh, I want to at least bring it up. I think it's not going to happen, most likely, but uh, that was a thing that was reported this week.
2: (laughs) Please, if that would happen, please, please, please let me be on the emergency podcast because that would just be an amazing day on the interwebs. Um, I don't think it's going to happen either. He doesn't seem like somebody who wants to leave St. Louis. As you said, he is a serviceable. He's really more of a good number two catcher than a starter um though i guess you could argue the way that catcher is around the league maybe he is a, a I, serviceable yeah guy and, i think he's yeah.
1: probably a starter and, and he actually was a starter for the most part this year at the cardinals the problem is he's not better than travis or so yeah. <laughs> we, that's not even up <laughs> for debate at this point yeah i just think that it's it, my general reaction right now is that it, it would just be hilarious because braves yeah. fans really don't like yadi emelina which i understand i understand why sure. it's a very rivalry kind of thing he's kind of uh you know a hot and cold guy you either love him or you hate him and most people don't like him around uh this fan base so it would just be <laughs> kind of funny to watch the reaction is all
2: oh my gosh it would be amazing again i don't i don't think it's gonna happen i don't think you do either but nope. it was interesting i saw that and i was like oh huh okay. <laughs> but it might also be i need a little more confirmation than a random i don't even know i apologize i don't know who reported it but um
1: I should have written down. It, it, it was a real source. It was a BBWA member in uh, St. Louis. So it wasn't like there was just like a blogger. It was, a, it was an actual reporter. Yep. But it was one person and uh, it was just interest and it could, be, <laughs> it could be Yachty trying to find a market for himself, et cetera. Yeah. Like that, that stuff, that's yeah. what happens with leaks. So uh, just more of an amusing thing right now. We'll come back to it if we need to, but that happened. Um, oh, last thing before we get to the bullpen. Uh, Fangraph put, put out their free, their free agent rankings this week. Uh, Marcelo Zuna was fifth on the list. Mark Melanson was 30th on the list. It was a top 50. Um, those are the only two guys that were ranked on the list. Cole Hamill, Shane Green were not. They were mentioned, but uh, sort of honorable mentions, but they were not ranked. But I, I'm really just spring it up because of the projections that they put out. And this was in the middle of the panic about money. But Ozuna projection for Fangraphs, I think it was Craig Edwards, so shouts to Craig, four years and 70 million for Ozuna. And then Melanson was two years and 22 million. We will. Uh, let me get this later on, but did you have a reaction to either of those projections as high or low? I know we're all guessing in this weird spot.
2: Um, Ozuna sounds about right to me. Four years, seventy million. What's that quick math? Seventeen and a half million yep, dollars and a and year. Half. Yeah. Um Melanson, in two years, twenty two million, that might be a tad high, in my opinion, given his age and what we've seen. I mean, if Brad Hand is not valued at ten million dollars.
0: Yeah,
1: I, that I that hand thing that the hand uh contract um, mess yeah. is not boding well. I would imagine it's just a one-off. But for guys like Shane Green and Mark Melanson, they probably did not like to see that
2: at all. No, no. I mean, if I could have Brad Hand for one year and ten million, or Mark Melanson, and I'm not talking about the Braves, right? Because you could argue the left and right thing. But um, if I could have Brad Hand for one million or ten million dollars for one year, or Mark Melanson for two and twenty-two, I know I would go with Hand, and I would imagine most teams probably would. But again. I mean, the difference of a million – if a million dollars is the difference between signing a player and not signing a player, it's probably all moot anyway, right? Yep. um, Yeah.
1: There you go. Uh, Those are the rankings that were there. I'm not going to litigate them. Ozuna is really good. And as a reminder one more time – I think I said it before, but Ozuna was not eligible – for a qualifying offer. Um, I had somebody ask me that today, even online, um, as to why the Braves would have done that. It's because they can't. Um, They definitely would have, I would imagine, if they uh, could have. But basically the rule is if you ever get a qualifying offer, you never can get one again. And he already had one. So that's the rule. Uh, Otherwise, he would be at least extended one by the Braves. I'm pretty confident, I guess. It wouldn't be like an absolute no-brainer, but I think it would have happened. And Melanson, I would not have given it to. There you go. All right, Scott, let's take a break. And we'll come back and talk about the bullpen, uh, I, I would say, both from 2020 and looking ahead a little bit. So hold on tight.
0: Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in
1: All right, Scott, let's look back at the bullpen from 2020. Overall, broadly speaking, this is a group that I know we were really high on on the podcast, and it ended up being um, correct for the most part. That was the group that I that I said preseason. I think you did as well. That was the group that we were actually the most confident in of all. And the offense was probably better, all, all things considered. But the bullpen was really good. They were fourth in the major leagues in bullpen ERA at 350 And that's even more impressive considering they were actually second in the major leagues in bullpen innings this year at 272 and two thirds. That is a product of the rotation being bad this season, but the bullpen was basically as good as you possibly could have asked it to be um, as a whole. That's at least the way that I feel. Do you have the same reaction? Like what's your thought on the way this bullpen sort of performed on, on the whole this year?
2: Yeah. I mean, credit to Alex Anthopoulos. He watched his bullpen fall apart the last two seasons in 2018 and 2019. Um, And he went out and addressed it and he spent money. And we talked about how spending significant money on a bullpen is not always a uh, guaranteed proposition is probably the best way to put it. Right. And we've seen uh, just in the last year so far, you pay big money for Will Smith. He was okay. Uh, But you also paid good money to Chris Martin, who was very, very good You traded for Mark Melanson and Shane Green, who were owed big money and both performed up to that level. So um, there was some money involved. And I think that's obviously if you you invest in your bullpen the way they have, you hope that it's at least pretty good. And I think they, given how many innings they were needed to throw this past summer, uh, I think they were about as good as anyone could have possibly hoped for. And honestly, probably better than what most expected going into the year.
1: Yeah, the innings thing is really what gets me and the depth. We'll get into the individual guys in a second. But, broadly speaking, if you're going to spend the way that they did on the bullpen, both in trade capital and money, it needs to be a good bullpen. And bullpens are volatile, so there was a little bit of risk there. But for 2020 alone, it worked out. Because, obviously, Will Smith was not as good as they wanted him to be. But on the whole, they spent a lot, and they got a lot of return on their bullpen. And they and they badly needed it, especially with the way the rotation worked out so it's a success we'll now dive into the uh, sort of decisions and the primary guys returning and all that stuff but i wanted to go ahead and just talk about it broadly for a second um the two free agents we briefly discussed earlier mark melanson's a free agent as is shane green also also josh tomlin is a free agent but he's obviously on a much lower level and a guy who won't be making much money i wouldn't imagine but green and melanson are real free agents they're going to get some real offers from other places i'm not sure what that's going to look like But those guys are already making real money now, and they'll be continuing to make real money. Let's start with Melanson real quick. He was obviously the closer. If you wanted to talk about a closer this year, he had a sub-3 ERA. He was not dominant in a traditional sense. He struck out 5.56 batters per nine innings, which is about as low as you'll ever see for a good reliever. (laughs) It's, like, (laughs) comically low. Uh, I'm not sure how sustainable that is. He's actually kind of old, too. He's not super-duper, like, Adam Wainwright old, but he's not not terribly young. Uh, But, again, overall... Melanson wasn't incredible, but he also was pretty good, and the Braves seem to like him. He's kind of beloved in that clubhouse. A guy that they probably want to at least try to bring back. I'm not sure if they'll be able to, but I think that's, they have to at least give it a shot.
2: Yeah, I mean, unless some team just goes crazy for him, I would sure think that he would be welcomed back, and I, I, I don't want to speak for you, Brad, but I would sure welcome Melanson back. I think he's a good reliever. At
1: a certain number, at, for sure, yeah.
2: Yeah, sure, and, and again, I mean, I don't want to keep Referring to Brad Hand deal, but if Brad Hand isn't getting $10 million on a one-year deal, you have to wonder what Mark Melanson, who's older, probably not quite as good. Um, though he is still good. I know the strikeout numbers were down. It's so hard to really evaluate 2020, right? Because the start and then the stop and then the sudden start. Um, it's funny, you said it perfectly. He was about as good as you can possibly be as a reliever without striking people out. Uh, <laughs> yep. and, and, and the thing that was so encouraging last year is after the trade— his strikeout numbers went way up. Like, he was really, really good in 2019. Um, he's an older guy. He's never done the the shortened season thing before. But, yeah, if, if Melanson is available on a one-year, maybe a one-plus-one deal uh, at a reasonable cost, I would sure think they would entertain it.
1: Yeah, and I am on record as thinking that, you know, having him be the quote-unquote undisputed closer that you have to use in ninth inning is not my approach that I would be going with. It's a very outdated thing. And they did kind of, after kind of faking it like they wouldn't do that at different times. He really was the closer. And, like, in fact, I think the only other guy that had a save this year in a traditional sense was Chris Martin, and that was a day that Melanson was unavailable, if I recall correctly. I know Bryce Wilson had one as well, but that was a a weird multi-inning save. Um, So it was really just Melanson, um, Mm -hmm. which is okay. It's not, like, the end of the world. But he's not the most talented guy in that bullpen. He is effective. He is a good veteran. We'll see what they do with him. Um, And I'm wondering – how they'll prioritize him. I would assume he is ahead of Shane Green in the pecking order. Shane Green threw more innings than Melanson did this year, actually had a lower ERA than Melanson. But if you watch the way that they deployed Shane Green in the playoffs, for whatever reason, he was not at the top of the list for Brian Snicker. Um, he got used in a way that yeah. was not like ridiculous, but he was not one of the top three or four guys. It seemed that Snit trusted by the end. I'm not sure what that means in the broader yeah. in the broader system. But I'm not sure if they want to prioritize him as a result of that, or how they feel about Shangri right now.
2: Yeah. So Green's 2020 was interesting because he had like an ERA of zero for the first month. Like yep. he was truly perfect. And then down the stretch, he he had some issues. He wasn't great. He wasn't bad either. But I think he was inevitably going to progress a little bit, right? And then. I think he just kind of regressed at the wrong time. His playoff usage was really weird. You and I talked about, of course, he pitched that garbage inning and then pitched three days in a row in the later rounds or the later games of the NLCS. Um, so I don't know what to make of Shane Green. He, to me, feels like a guy who, and this is just a hunch, feels like a guy who is going to get more money than he probably should just based on his traditional numbers historically. Um, Again, if if he wants to come back to Atlanta on like a one year, seven, eight million dollar deal, I would go for it. Or again, maybe a one plus club option deal. But he is not somebody I would jump to sign just because I think his price tag is going to be a little bit higher. But I'm not sure how you feel about that.
1: Yeah. Just to back you up, his first 21 appearances this season, he had a 0.82 ERA. Wow. Um and basically he only had one blow up out in the entire the entire year. He he gave up four runs in an outing in September, but he was really good other than that. And I've always been kind of pro Shane Green. He's not always like dominant, but he, when he's on he looks good. I know his ERAs um you know, he famously had that lights out ERA before he got to Atlanta last year and then regressed a little bit in Atlanta, but I thought that was obviously unsustainable in Detroit. He was he had like a low ones ERA in Detroit. It was comical like he obviously was not going to be that good. But yeah, he's a good he's a good pitcher. Like, is he a quote unquote closer the way he was uh, at in his previous stops? No. But Shane Green is a very, very good like third, fourth reliever. And I'm not sure how much that's gonna be valued. That's really what it comes down to, both yeah. for the Braves and elsewhere. Cause yeah, if someone wants to give him eight figures per season, the Braves are probably gonna let him go, I would imagine. Um yeah. but in this weird offseason, if you can get Shane Green for a reasonable number, I certainly would be up for doing that um the Braves do have some depth but not like overwhelming reliever depth they have some but these are you know coming into the season Melanson and Green were two of their four you know their clear top four relievers and obviously Minter and Matzik um sort of emerged but you don't want to lose both those guys and not really replace them um so we'll see what they do with both Melanson and Green but if they lose both of them you're going to want them to bring in someone who's kind of established at least I am
2: yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think that's kind of where I'm at. I would bring back one of them. I don't necessarily want to say whichever one is cheapest because, uh, you know, you never want to it's let more about value. Dollars. More about yeah, value. Totally. Yeah, And if I had to put money on, you know, today's November 1st, if I had to bet on who's going to have the better 2021, I would lean Mark Melanson at this point. I don't think it would be a huge difference, but all things equal. I think my stance would be I would pay Melanson, again, as long as it's reasonable, and then use Shane Green's hypothetical money to go target a better starting pitcher, a better bat, You know, money for Ozuna, whoever it is. Uh, I think that's kind of the way I would lean.
1: I think we're on the same page there. Uh, Melanson's been better for longer and more consistently than Green. Uh, It wouldn't surprise me at all. I don't think it would either for you if Green was better than Melanson. It wouldn't be like a shock next season if if Green pitched better than Melanson. Green is younger, but I think I would agree. I think projection-wise right now today, assuming health – I'd rather have Melanson for 2021. It's just how much should the money difference is there. Um, how much does the organization value one over the other? I think we can kind of assume they want to bring Melanson back. I'm not hundred percent sure they want to, that they want to bring green back. Just, just reading yeah. between the lines. Not that they would like just send him away for, for nothing. If you want to, if you want to, if you want to stay around for the minimum, I'm sure they, I'm sure they would sign him. But <laughs> I think mean, priority yeah. wise, uh, Melanson seems like from the outside, the bigger priority for them, but we'll leave those two guys there. Um Tomlin, whatever if it's for the league minimum and they want to sign josh tomlin i'm i'm okay with that Um, anything beyond that probably not but for a long man that they seem to like i would be okay at that number that's kind of where i would be on him do you have any thoughts on josh tomlin
2: yeah if if he's the the final guy in the bullpen who's going to pitch once every two weeks whenever the starter doesn't last that's fine maybe you throw him a couple later innings in a game if you have a lead but sure if, if i think josh tomlin's probably worth a million dollars a season, right? You do yep. need somebody to to eat those garbage innings so you don't kill your bullpen. You don't have to leave a young starting pitcher out there more than you want to. He's a guy who's been around for a long time, and we know who Josh Tomlin is. He knows who he is. He's also maybe the best pitching coach on the team, so <laughs> that's, a, that's an added bonus. He apparently, yep. you know... Him he, and look Yeah, he just tells Kyle Wright to take a step to the left on the mound, and all of a sudden he goes from being a borderline prospect bust <laughs> to... uh to being a uh, game three starter in the playoffs with the Braves. But uh, yeah, I, I would imagine if if all things equal, I think the Braves would entertain at least in a spring training invite to Tomlin.
1: Yeah, he's well liked. I would not guarantee him any real money, but we'll see what they do on that front. Um, there are three guys who are arbitration eligible in the bullpen, and they are A.J. Minter, Grant Dayton, and Luke Jackson. Uh, I think Minter is a no-brainer, of course. Dayton, will see. I think Luke Jackson might be a non-tender guy. He made 1.8 million dollars last year, and with the way he pitched um being not well this year, and presumably maybe a little bit more money than that in arbitration, he might be a guy that you non-tender. I'm not sure.
2: I think so. If you can save a few bucks there, if if, if I don't know, two million dollars, two and a half million. Again, I I think Luke is is underappreciated for how good he was last year. He was not good this past season. No, right. There, there's no way to defend that. But if you can save again, if you can save. If you're telling me I can have Luke Jackson for two and a half million dollars, or I can pay Marcelo Zuna another two and a half million to guarantee that he signs, <laughs> I know what I know. I would rather uh, spend the money that way, but um, yeah, I, I would probably pass. Again, there there's some depth here, and eventually, some of these starting pitching prospects will have to shift to a bullpen role. There's also always, I mean, even in normal years, there are always a ton of cheap veteran bullpen arms available right. in February and March who are just looking for work and it's just kind of, Hey, you have these, their agent says, Hey, you have eight teams offering you 2 million bucks. Where do you want to play? I would probably rather go that. And again, you you always could circle back to Luke. If if you want, you could add him on a non-guaranteed deal, something like that.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, nuance is dead and not allowed, but it's funny. We, we defended Luke Jackson quite a bit in 2019. I thought he was better than people thought He was, he was, Put in a role in 2019 that he shouldn't have been in as the closer for a few weeks and months, um, and got a lot of heat as a result. And then this year he was he was actually the guy that people thought he was in 2019. If that makes sense, like he was actually bad in 2020. So I don't know what you do with that. Um, he does he does have some talent. He's been able to get ground balls, etc. But he walked too many guys this year. Just it was a mess. And if they don't think they can fix him, if it's any real money you got to give him, you probably want to non-tender him. I don't, I, don't feel, I feel bad about saying that, but it's just what it is. Um, elsewhere to create 40 man space, it could DFA Chad Sabaka. He's a guy who's on, who's on the 40 man that has been bad basically all the time that he's when he's been up, and not that you not that he's costing any any real money, but if you need room on the roster, he'd be an option to do that. Also,
2: yeah.
1: Jaceel De La Cruz is on the 40 man. He's never pitched in a major league game, but he's on the 40 man, and people seem to like him, so he might be an option for next year's bullpen too.
2: Sure, yeah. There's always going to be options. Again, there's all these young guys too. Tukey Toussaint who knows what Bryce Wilson's future is there, there's a whole line of, of options here so again I, I think the theme of the offseason is going to be teams will trim money whenever they can and it's not that they necessarily aren't going to spend I think they're just going to be a little more frugal than they normally would and uh because the Braves do have some depth and some time obviously right it's the beginning of November uh there's really no rush with these things so if they can uh if they can cut a little fat now and, and then add and Supplement their bullpen later on, I think that's probably a worthwhile strategy.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Um okay, the four the four guys that are returning, at least in theory, unless they're traded, are Will Smith, Chris Martin, Tyler Matzik, and AJ Minter. Uh let's start with Smith. He is obviously the guy who is uh, owed quite a bit of money. He was the big splash signing from last year. He had sort of a tail of three seasons and within one this year. He got the late start with COVID-19. He didn't pitch well early as a result. He seemed to settle in and was really good for a couple weeks. And then in the playoffs, he looked pretty bad again, but you know, what are you going to do? Will Smith is still on the roster. His peripherals were both hot and cold at times. He uh, had a hundred percent left on base percentage, which is uh, lucky, but also gave up 33% of his uh, fly balls went over the fence this season, which is a, a comically high number that can't be sustained. So, My overall opinion on Will Smith is that I think he's going to be good next year. Um, I think he's still talented. I think you saw that when he was right this year, he's not too old to be good. Still relievers are still volatile, which is why we didn't like fall in love with that contract. But Will Smith does not have to be bad now because Will Smith was bad in the playoffs.
2: Well, and I think it's important to remember too, that he was a, he missed about a month with a, with COVID and for veterans, especially guys who you know, he's, he's in his early thirties. He's been around the block for a long time. Veterans, especially pitchers have their routines down. They are very routine oriented people, right? They know when they need to start ramping things up, when they need to really uh, kick things in gear in their off season workouts. And, and again, I know everybody was playing by the same rules this year and everybody had to do the weird shutdown and then start back up in July. But I would like to think, or I guess hope is probably the best word for it, that in a normal year, assuming 2021 is a little bit more normal than this past year. Um, we You just have to hold out hope that he's back to the guy he was with the Giants, which was really one of the best left-handed relievers in baseball. Um, relievers are are volatile by by nature, as you said, but he was just so good. I have a hard time believing that suddenly he's just this guy who's going to give up a million home runs all the time. (laughs) Um, At at least that's what the Braves have to hope for because he's owed significant money the next two-plus seasons. Uh, but, But I really do think nothing has dramatically changed for him. right? I would sure like to think that he will be much better and more of the version of himself, even if he isn't the absolutely dominant guy he was with the Giants a few years ago that he will be a a pitcher you can hand the ball to seventh, eighth, ninth inning, whatever it is uh, that you can feel much better about, because I don't know about you, but anytime Will Smith came in this past couple months, it was kind of like you close your eyes and pray because you just weren't sure what was going to happen.
1: Yeah. I mean, the guy allowed almost four home runs per nine, which is just not going to happen. Ooh. It's just not a thing that's going to continue. Um, Again, we didn't love that contract because it's just relievers for multi-years and big money when you don't do anything else for big money is not what I would recommend in general, but again, I think my overarching take for Smith going into 21 is that I think he's going to be good again, and I think there is certainly a world in which he's not. It's He's a reliever who had some issues this year, so it's on the table. I'm not telling he's guaranteed to be good, but if I'm guessing what his what his baseline is, it's a very good relief pitcher in 21. Um Contract aside, it's just he's valuable and he's going to be here anyway. I mean, we'll, we'll all be shocked if he's not on the team. Like, his I guess they could trade him, but it's not going to happen. So, he'll be there and uh, we'll go from there on that one. The other guy who is proven to be good that, they, that they've invested in multiple times now is Chris Martin. Chris Martin was uh, excellent this season. He threw 18 innings and had a 1.00 ERA. That speaks for itself. Uh, also, 10 Ks per nine and one and, a half, one and a half walks per nine. All the peripherals were good. Chris Martin's a guy that everyone seems to love, and uh, with good reason, he's just very good.
2: Uh, you know, you talk about relievers around the league who are just underrated and underappreciated. He has been so dang good since the Braves acquired him. He was good with Texas. He had the weird career where he went overseas and pitched. But um, just looking at his numbers right now, so the Braves, of course, acquired him at last year's trade deadline. Um, with the Braves, he's done 35 and a half innings. Uh, he has a... Uh, he has struck out, uh, 42 batters. He has walked four batters. (laughs) That is a, that is better than a 10 to one strikeout to walk ratio. Uh, he is very, very good. Uh, a a little bit older. So again, you just, you have to hope he'll be 35 next summer. So you hope that he's okay, but he is very, very good. He has been very good since the Braves acquired him. Arguably, I I mean, I, I don't even know if it's arguably, he's been the team's best reliever the last two years, regardless of role um and somebody who again you just hope he did have a couple of nagging injuries when he was in texas you just hope you can keep him healthy over a full year or at least most of it
1: yeah that's kind of all we have to say about martin hopefully he's healthy but if he's healthy i think he's going to be good that's just the assumption we have to make at this point in time the other two guys came out of nowhere in different ways in 2020 you have aj minter who went from being the team's best reliever and closer to falling apart completely to being now back to his old self and then you have Tyler Matzik, who was out of the league and a former really impressive prospect. You can tell that by the arm talent. But Tyler Matzik was, by a large margin, the team's most valuable reliever this year. When you combine performance and innings pitched, he had uh, .8 fangrafts war, and the next highest was 0. .5, which, which was Martin. And basically, all, that's all about innings, because Martin was better on a per-pitch basis. But Matzik throwing multiple innings multiple times was just awesome, struck out 13 per nine. Just came out of nowhere, honestly. And I hope it's all real. It felt real in the moment. Like, if you're watching, it wasn't like he was uh, bad-bipping his way to success. He looked like a guy, if you didn't know anything about him, that was an awesome reliever. And he looks to be that still. And by the way, he's still on, he's still on I believe, in pre-arb. So he'll be very cheap as well.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, he was... We talked about when, when us three with Eric met about the surprises and disappointments and all that. I mean, Tyler Matzik might have honestly been the best surprise story of this past team. He was so good. The fastball is electric, upper 90s. Um, he, he's not a guy as, as you referred to. He's not somebody who was lucky. You look at his profile; there was no immediate luck involved there. He was uh, actually unlucky. Maybe, yeah, <laughs> his peripherals right. were better
1: than his ERA this year, which is crazy. Yeah.
2: yeah. So again, you never know. Sure, I mean, all these guys, you could always say comma, but they could regress next year. But he was very, very good. Good strikeout numbers, uh, through strikes, which is always so important in a bullpen. Um, somebody who will be given every opportunity to be good once again. And hopefully he's able to lock down a late inning role, uh, especially if they do have to lose a little bit of the depth they had just for financial reasons. Um, He was somebody this past season, whenever he was in the game, I felt good about it. Um, And and that's not always the case with, with relievers. So uh, what a, what a year for him and should be good things moving forward.
1: Yeah, that's all. That's all I got to hopefully it continues and I'm rooting hard for Tyler Matic. Um, AJ Minter, again, is the guy who was supposed to be really good, was really good, then was really bad, and now is back to being really good. He had the accident, and I think that might have played a big role in him kind of falling off, and now it looks to be healthy and good. He's still 27 years old. He actually just turned 27 in September, so fairly young, under under, under team control, and pretty cheap. Uh, just for his numbers' sake, we could talk about what he did this year. Um, less innings, of course, than Matzik, but a guy with a sub-1 ERA. That's not sustainable. Cause nobody's that good, but Minter looked like his old self and you just felt good with him on the mound. Obviously the second relief appearance of the Dodgers series was not very good, but the start was like kind of, kind of legendary. He went out and mowed yeah. down. And uh, I mean, what's not to like a J Minter just pitched really well. And assuming he's healthy, you have to be pretty confident in him.
2: So today's November 1st. If I had to say Brad with your crystal ball, oh, who, who is going to lead the Braves in saves next year? And I told you it was going to be A.J. Minter. Is that crazy to you? Because I honestly think there's like a world where that could happen. I I think he could even become the team's closer at some point next year. Um, We know how good he was in 2018 when he was healthy. A guy, again, who was a high draft pick, uh, kind of a a groomed closer. He was very, very good. As you said, he was never right in 2019. But I think, again, with having no idea of how the rest of the offseason is going to go, if A.J. Minter led the team in saves next year, I don't think that's crazy to think.
1: Um, Yeah, it's not crazy at all. I mean, if, I think if Melanson is on the roster and Brian Snicker is still managing the team, Melanson will be the leader in saves, unless he's just so bad that he can't be. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, I think if they sign Melanson, it'll be in that role until he pitches himself out of that role. I think I also might pick Will Smith to finish with more saves than Minter, um, just because of the investment and the role that he was presumably going to be, but also maybe not because Snit kind of surprisingly just announced that Melanson was the closer after they signed Will Smith that happened. And mm-hmm. it was like a big surprise when it happened. I don't know. I'm not sure how Snit feels honestly about mentor. I think he's trusts him now, but he's left-handed and old school. baseball baseball people don't love when left-handers are closers necessarily. That's one thing that I want to point out. I know he used to do it once upon a time for the, for the uh, Braves, but I don't know. Yeah, you're not you're not crazy. I don't think I'd pick it I don't think I'd pick Minter. Hmm, but
2: yeah. okay. Sure,
1: sure. So in a world in which Melanson's not there, the we'll just talk about the the incumbent options would be Minter Martin Smith.
2: Yeah, those are your only three real changes. I
1: mean, I, I guess I guess I would probably just guess that it would be Martin, but I don't know, man. Yeah, you're not crazy. It could be Minter for sure.
2: Yeah, again, and I'm not necessarily saying it's going to happen either no. because I'm with you. I think if Molanson is on the team, short of just the, the wheels completely falling off, he will be the closer given every chance to be. Um, but I was really, really impressed with A.J. Minter this past summer. He looked just like the guy that was so good in 2018. It's easy to f- forget about that because – Last year, 2019, was was not kind to him. He was never really healthy. Um, but a lot to like, and I think somebody who will be given every chance, even if not a closer, to have a very prominent role next season.
1: Yeah, he'll be in the mix, I would imagine, again, provided health for late innings, if, if nothing else. And, you know, closer stuff doesn't really matter to us necessarily, but people care about it. I think he'll pitch high-leverage innings for the Braves next year, and I feel good about that based on what we saw. Um, I don't know. Oh, last thing I want to get to. Real quickly, before we get out of here, this is my pet project. It has been for a long time. We must discuss Sean Newcomb reliever because I I just, I, I have a banging on the table about this for more than a year, maybe close to two at this point. Sean Newcomb is a reliever. He should be a reliever. And he has a career, he has a career 3.00 ERA in relief. I don't know what happened where they would not try Newcomb in relief this year, uh, maybe there's some story that I'm, I'm, I'm unaware of, but unless there's something that some reason physically he can't pitch in relief, why wouldn't he be in the bullpen next year? Yeah.
2: I have to think, I know it was reported. And then I was told by somebody else that Newcomb does not want to be in the bullpen.
1: Now, oh, okay, Sean, you can't, be, you can't be a starter, right. man. It's over. I'm right. sorry. Exactly.
2: It's either, well, you don't want to be in a major league bullpen. Well, then you're going to be out of work because at this point, I don't think there's a soul alive other than probably Sean Newcomb who has not watched his last four seasons of being a starting pitcher I mean, <laughs> and thought, this guy has, <laughs> here's the,
1: should be a starting pitcher. Here's the thing. If he's in Atlanta, he can't be a starter. Yeah, Like, that yeah. ship has sailed. I guess if you put yourself in his shoes and you just firmly believe that you're a starting pitcher, if you went somewhere else, like, there are, there are definitely organizations that probably should try Sean Newcomb as a starter. You know what I mean? If he got traded somewhere to, like, yeah. You Detroit
2: know, Tigers. Yeah, pick, Pirates.
1: pick organization X. That's not great. Yeah. If he got traded to one of those teams, they should at least try him as a starter. I'm always, I think we all are on this podcast, I'm pretty consistent about the fact that you want a guy to start until he proves that he can't start. I think he's proven that he can't start in Atlanta. I guess there's some debate about that somewhere. But for me, if he's, if, if he's a starting pitching option in March 2021, I'm going to be animated about that on this podcast. 't like that we didn't like that option this year. like that's not like revisionist either we, we said it on this podcast multiple times back in like February March when they were talking about him competing with Felix Hernandez for the fifth starter spot as funny as that is a long time ago. feels like it was f- five years ago but that happened oh, this yeah. year and I hated it then but charitably in that moment we talked about the fact that listen, okay one last hurrah for Newcomb there's no downside to letting him try to do it in spring training, et cetera et cetera. And then he came out and was terrible. So that, that's got to be it for me. I, I don't want to, I'm not yeah. trying to be a hot take guy here, but I, I cannot imagine a world in which I am the Braves and I'm letting him start again. Just put him in the bullpen where yeah. he's good. And if he doesn't like it, like, okay, Sean, like, I'm sorry, man. You've had a lot of opportunities to prove that you were a good starter. I, I, at one point, you were pretty good as a starter, but mm-hmm. that was a long time ago.
2: Yeah. And this stuff has regressed. His, his pitches, his velocity is down. He doesn't get nearly—I mean, the reason that he was effective early is because he would get a million swinging strikes. So it was either he was going to walk you or you were going to strike out. That's he, The strikeouts have gone away. Even when he was in a bullpen role, the strikeouts didn't return to what they were early in his career. Um, I'm with you. I cannot imagine—if this was the 2016 Braves and he was kind of a, a prospect who had had some shine fall off, sure, try him. Give him two months, see where he's at. But for a team that has every intention of winning a fourth division uh, title in a row, winning a World Series, blah, 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 you can't do it. I'm with you. I did not love the idea of him starting this past season. I know they had to do it because they literally had nobody else. But (laughs) it was – I I think it is time. And if Sean really doesn't want to go to the bullpen, which is weird because why wouldn't you want to make seven figures pitching once every four days – uh, <laughs> if he really doesn't want to, maybe they just dump him off, get a C-level prospect for him for a team that's going to give him an opportunity and, and then just move on.
1: Right. I mean, he clearly, as of February of this year, March of this year, he clearly wanted to start. That was kind of the, the writing on the wall when it happened in the reporting. I, I'm not sure if anybody said it explicitly, but if you read between the lines of all the, all the guys who were in Orlando or I guess wherever they have to be training now, all those guys that were in Florida reporting on this, nobody said look this is happening because Shondigan wants to start but that was that was very much implied by everyone I've, I've heard that as well but i mean we have another year of evidence now and i think he'd be a good reliever i really do like he's proven to be i mean proven maybe maybe proven's too strong it's 54 innings but i think he'd be a good reliever i really do yeah. maybe maybe a multi-inning option you know he's left-handed you can he's got pretty good stuff in the bullpen he can throw harder in the bullpen i don't know it's not the Biggest deal in the world, but if he's still in your organization, for me, he probably should just be a part of your planned bullpen for 2021. Not, 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 not necessarily in high leverage. Like he's clearly behind the guys like Matzick and Malantium, he's back and Minter, and Martin and Smith. But there's no harm in having him be your third lefty in the bullpen. Like, sure. What are we going to do here? I don't know. Anyway, uh I don't want to get too too far down, down <laughs> the rabbit hole with Sean Newcomb, but. That's a name, and obviously, I think you mentioned before, but Tukey is another guy who it might just be time for him to be a reliever in Atlanta. Um, I'm not sure that's as, that's as clear as Newcomb, especially with if there is the, a minor league season. You might have Tukey just in Gwinnett trying to figure it out. But Tukey is rapidly approaching the area where he might be a reliever, too.
2: Well, and the thing about transitioning to a reliever, it's not like you couldn't ever transition back, right? Yeah. Like Like we've seen... Max Freed, who is not in the same situation as Newcomb or Tukey, but Freed went to the bullpen in whatever year that was, I think towards the end of 2018, and said he learned a lot about how to attack hitters, uh, how to game plan a little bit better. Um, nothing says that if Sean Newcomb or Tukey Tucson or you know pitching prospect XYZ goes to the bullpen, that you couldn't then send him back to the minors and stretch him out for a month and then try him again as a starter. So I'm with you at some point. Some of these starting pitcher prospects have to transition to the bullpen. Um, We don't know the psyche of these guys, and I understand why they want to be starters. For good reason. Everybody wants to start, but yeah, uh, I'm with you. I think there's a future for Minter, or rather uh, Newcomb in Atlanta moving forward, but if he adamantly does not want to be in the bullpen, then maybe you do have to move on.
1: There we go. Uh, The bullpen, in closing, should be good next year if they add someone or if they don't add anyone, if they retain guys. We'll have to talk about that along the way, but just one more time: this is this was a good group this year. It was a big reason why they were successful, especially once the once the rotation went to an, a, a dark place <laughs> throughout the season. And uh shouts to, shout to those guys for, for, for performing well. And uh, yeah. you know the offense, which we'll talk about on a uh, episode pretty soon, was the biggest reason they were good this year. But the bullpen was number two. So
2: yep, absolutely. They they I mean they did. They carried the team whenever they lost. 80% of their rotation uh, the bullpen had to step up and they did. And it's a big reason why again, the Braves won the division and uh, won some very closely contested playoff games. I know everyone remembers the NLCS, but looking back the bullpen was so good in the wild card round. And then the NLDS against Miami, um, they were very, very good. And as you said, hopefully next year there, there, the pieces are in place uh, to be good. Once again, moving forward,
1: Scott, I'm not sure if you have anything to plug, but please go and tell people where they can find you. Hopefully we have some, some new listeners from our playoff run. And if if so, thank you for joining us. But Scott, if you have anything to plug, go ahead and do that now.
2: Thank you everybody for tuning in. Hope everybody had a safe weekend. Happy Halloween. Um, Yeah, we'll be here. uh, (laughs) We'll be here. Happy Halloween. Shout out Jeff Passan. We got to get him on the show. Oh my God. Uh, Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. on.
1: (laughs) This should have been on the run. That's, that's a mistake by me. Hold on. So, we got to get Jeff Passon on the podcast.
2: Yeah,
1: that, that has to happen. I have no idea um, to this to this hour how he found the most recent tweet of yours that was not even directed at him and replied to it. That was a work of art. And I almost died. I texted you right away. Um, Jeff Passon, if you don't know this, by the way, somehow, if you're not on Twitter, Jeff Passon. Yes, ESPN's national reporter, Jeff Passon, one of the two biggest reporters in the country, along with Ken Rosenthal. Now has a beef with Scott Coleman online and I don't know why. So I don't know either. I was
2: uh, Yeah. I'm gonna Jeff's DMs are open. I'm gonna tell him he has to come on the pod. Uh after uh roasting me. I roasted him, he roasted me, he got me he got me again the other day. <laughs> I, I was talking about how Halloween was an overrated holiday and he somehow found it. You were right, I by don't the way. Know how. I agree with this. I, thank you. Thank you. Um but <laughs> Jeff feels very passionately about Halloween, I guess. But, yes, I will work on getting Jeff Passan, ESPN's lead MLB reporter, on the pod. Um, until then, continue to check out Talking Chop. You like that transition there? Yes. Uh, check out Talking Chop. Lots of good stuff. Lots of good player reviews. And, of course, any news that happens, trade rumors, free agent rumors, whatever it may be. Uh, we will be there all winter. And, uh, again, thanks to everybody for tuning in.
1: That's well said, Scott. Uh, follow Scott on the Twitter machine, at uh, scottcoleman fifty five where you might see him get into it with Jeff Passan or talk about something that's not... Oh, The Office. Yeah. Whatever whatever things do you talk about? The Colts, The Office, yeah. uh, whatever the, else uh, happens. The 5-2 and two Indianapolis Colts. Who you hate weekly. I just enjoy that. Yeah, um, okay. yeah follow me if you want at BT Roll and follow the site at Talking Chop. Follow Eric at Leprechaun. Eric will be back again very soon as well. But yeah, check out the site. It's got... We're, we're not going anywhere. Let's just say that. This podcast is weekly-ish, maybe more on occasion, but the podcast is... Every day, multiple times per day. Chris Willis running the show over there at the written content portion of the site. Check it all out. Subscribe to the podcast. Tell a friend. Tell two friends. Tell your enemies, etc. We'll see you next time. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features.
0: More to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals,